0: I'm really excited to introduce you to someone that I've known for a couple of years and uh, she's going to talk to us a little bit about her journey and dealing with someone in her life in a very practical way uh, who is gay. Once again, we really want to focus on how do we live out our theology as Christians? You know, it's one thing to say, okay, let's get really clear about what the Bible teaches. But then the question is, how do we transition that biblical teaching into real life situations? Diana, why don't you just start us off telling us a little bit about your situation and the person in your life who's gay?
1: Okay, so uh, my situation is that I have three children. And uh, this child happens to be my middle child. It's the son. And he came out about seven years ago and let uh, me and my husband know. We were surprised, um, to say the least. It was It's very shocking at first. You are kind of stunned, really. I mean, it's, um, you just don't know what to say. Let's say it that way. And you know, I've heard people say that the person who tells you this has been thinking about it probably for years of how they're going to Approach you, and but then when they approach you, it's like all of a sudden you're just hit with something so fresh, and you really don't know how to um, just jump into that uh, extreme moment and have a, a good, you know, answer for them. There's got to be some time. So, so in those
0: first moments when your son is standing there telling you, like, okay, here's my situation, uh, I'm gay. Looking back on it, do you feel like yeah, I responded pretty good, or wow, that wasn't one of my finer moments, or even, I I wish there were some things
1: I could take back. He told me and my husband at the same time, and I feel like we responded pretty well, because we didn't just, um, we didn't just open our mouth, we were slow to speak, and that right there is pretty amazing, that's Holy Spirit, (laughs) especially for me, but so we took a few minutes to gather ourselves, we actually went back into the, the back bathroom, and we prayed, even before we you know, came back and, and had a conversation with him about it. And so we had even just that, and it was maybe three or four minutes. It wasn't a long time, but it was enough to pause, to invite the Lord in and to just take a deep breath and then come forward with what we wanted to respond with him. What we felt was the most important thing to let him know. So
0: what was that most important thing, like, how did
1: you proceed
0: into the conversation at that point?
1: The typical, when did you feel this way? Why do you feel that this is, you know, valid in your life, that type of thing. But not, not a lot of that, um, because he was, he was not happy. He felt like he was being attacked at that point. There was kind of like, you know, well, what do you mean? I've always felt, you know, that type of stuff. And again, I really feel like he already had a conversation in his mind, like he thought it was going to go. So sometimes you you know when you have something hard to say to someone, you'll anticipate a conversation already. And I, I think that he already thought that because when we started asking questions, he had these really quick comesbacks, you know, protecting himself. And so we didn't stay in that area long. Um, what we did was, you know, after that, we moved into, well, we love you. That's not going to change. You're our son. We love you. And you know how we feel because he was raised in a Christian home. So he knows, you know, what we um, feel that we believe in what the Bible says about, you know, homosexuality. And I said, but I know the Holy Spirit gave me this one last thing to say to him when we were talking to him. And I said, you came to us right now with this, you know, that you feel this way. But later, if you feel like you want to come back out of this, I want you to come to us again. And he kind of looked stunned. But I really feel like that was just a moment that the Lord had spoken that because it's going to come, that there's going to come a time and I'm anticipating that. I'm not, you know, hanging my hat on it every day and going, when's it going to happen? But I believe um, that that could come. And I want him to remember that conversation. If he ever, you know, in his mind goes, I don't want this anymore. I want him to come back again. You want him to feel like uh, he can always
0: come home or come back to you. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you first were in a conversation with him, um, I'm imagining that he thought you would probably be hostile. And so that was kind of the story that was happening for him. Was that his expectation?
1: I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. And the thing was the very next morning, um, he flew out of this area to go back home. And you know, when I was driving him to the airport, I just was telling him, you know, I just love you. I, there's nothing's going to change that, so I, I want you to know that, and you're always welcome. This is your home, you know. I've I've told all my kids that they may live out of the house right now, but our house is always their home if they ever need to come back home. Yeah, and so that he he was just in tears when he got out and he flew home, and that was seven years ago. So when you think
0: about uh, the space of time between that day and now, tell us how you love your son, how you have lived that out since that time. Obviously in that moment you told him verbally, you probably gave him a hug goodbye. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you live that out now and how has you, how have you seen your love grow and develop over time for him?
1: You know, we appealed to our church and it wasn't really a, a good thing. It wasn't a receptive thing. Uh, there was a lot of animosity toward him from our church friends. Um, it was the whole, you can't associate with him anymore. And that just wasn't going to happen. It was hard. I read a lot of books um, and they helped. They, they were very helpful. Um, We started up with a support group that right at that time, right at the beginning, when it was a very fresh cut, it was helpful to be around other people that understood what that was like. Now quickly the support group grew to where it wasn't helpful because um, it was always just about, oh, you know, poor our kids, oh, our friends, whatever it happened to be, because it was a support group for anybody. Um, but just com- complaining and the story and crying and crying. And every every month it was the same cry and I, I was ready to move forward. Okay, I was ready to move into, I want to seek the Lord for my son and see what, how he wants me to pray for him. And I, I was hoping actually to get together with other people that want to be strong in prayer for our loved ones and that wasn't the case it, so and you know that the group has its its um good points like i said but i was just done with it and so then we left it the the most i was taught on how to go about this whole new thing um was by reading some books and then having holy spirit define for me his love for me and that changed things because I realized, you know, the way he loves me is the same way he loves my son. He doesn't change for anybody else. It doesn't change. He's no respecter of persons and that love level is still there. And I remember one time it was funny because I remember one time, um, my son was going to come home and home trips were not always easy, but they grew to be really good. Um, but one time he was going to come home and I started thinking, oh gosh, you know, should I ask him about the whole lifestyle thing? And should I, you know, try and get into conversation about it so I can throw my seeds of no, don't do it. You know, you know what I'm saying. You want to get into that conversation that's going to be the aha moment. And they're going to go, oh, you're right. I need to walk out of this. No, no, no. Holy Spirit Spirit said to me, why would you ask him about his sex life? You never did before. And it's like, that's right. I never did. I never went around asking him, you know, or who are you involved with, or anything. Even if it was girls, I, that wasn't a conversation that I had with my son um, a lot. It was just an assumed thing that they're going to meet someone of the opposite sex and they're going to date and they're going to get married. It's an assumed thing. But mainly, my conversations with my son um, were around education, his education. What is he? Because he's he's very much into education. He you know he's still in school, but. It was around that and his his personal goals and and how he felt about what he was doing with his life, not about his sex life. And so it kind of got me off the hook. I was like, that's right. I don't have to speak about that. I really don't. I never did. So I swung gears. And when he would come home, we just talked to him about stuff that we would all the time as if he had never said that. You know, and not because we were ignoring it, it was there in the room, but um, I just refused to let that hanging there in the room have have any kind of a place in ruining um, our relationship. And I wanted for when he came home, for him to know that he's loved, he's welcomed, there's nothing changed in my heart for him. And my husband was definitely on the same track, and so that's the way we treated visits. And as he came home, I think right at first, he might have expected those types of conversations like, let me get you in the corner and just, you know, and it didn't happen. It never happened. And so he just became more and more relaxed. And you know what? He comes home a lot. And that really spoke to me that he feels welcome here and he wants to come home. And that's that's huge. When, when your grown-up adult children want to come home and visit you, it's because they feel safe there. They feel right. loved there. They feel accepted, wanted. So you would feel like
0: you're kind of striking a balance between accepting him and wanting him to feel loved and welcomed. But you don't need to keep rehearsing your theological position. He's he's clear about where you stand on on that issue,
1: but you don't need to keep bringing it up. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's correct, yeah, because we talked to him about it the very first day. um, And, you know, he grew up knowing it he grew up knowing what we believe in this house. And so I think when he, the first conversation was, he was ready to duke it out, knowing that, knowing what we believe he was ready to, you know, fight with us about it, but there wasn't going to be one. So, yeah. And we had a conversation, um, just me and my other children, uh, and my husband, we had a, a conversation about it because you know they found out the same time, right around the same time, and so we all talked about it. And we we let them know that this is the one and only time we're going to bring this up, and we're going to you know let you guys know how we feel and what's going to happen in this house, and you know what, and just how how things were going to go. And it was received okay. Um, I really think that they thought that I would bring it up again, or we would rehash, <laughs> so to speak. But the Lord has been good in that we kept our word. So we had that one family meeting, got it all out on the table, and they knew, you know, that we do not agree, but that we love their brother. It's never been brought up again, as far as, you know, oh, we got to talk about this. We got to, you know, you need to talk to your brother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was good. That was good. That helped. Well,
0: it's good. So has there been a situation? where your son has brought home any of his boyfriends or partner or whoever he's with? And like, how do you handle that situation?
1: Yeah, so there was a time when, um, I'm trying to remember what the holiday was. I think it was a birthday or something, my daughter's birthday maybe. And he was kinda, my son was gonna come home and he let us know that he was bringing his partner and he never phrases it that way. He never says, I'm bringing my partner. He always just says, I'm bringing and says the name. So-and-so. So-and-so. And And I, you know, and we know who so-and-so is. And so, gosh, me and my husband, it was kind of hard at first. We were, you know, oh, I don't know. Should we allow this? What should, you know, what should we do? And so having time to pray about it was really great. They didn't just show up at the door. Um, And so we were able to pray about it. and, And I told my husband, you know, I really feel like the Lord wants us to, uh, be Jesus to this young man, just like we are to my, to my son. And that's, I really, what I feel like we're called to do. You know, we aren't called to try and ostracize someone or make them feel like God wouldn't receive them. And he know I know that this man knows uh, of our background because of my son. And so when he came, um, you know, we just talked to him just as if he was a, a friend that my son would have come home with, and I didn't treat him any differently. In fact, I picked his brain on a lot of different subjects he's a very smart kid, and um, you know, just had good conversation with him. He's just, he's a, a really cool person. We like him. Um, he's great. It, something really kind of funny happened. Um, the Lord told me to make a big giant tub of green uh, sun tea. And I really, I don't make green tea. It makes me jittery. But he specifically said, make green tea. So I made green tea and I had it in the refrigerator. And, you know, when he, when they got here and we were just offering them something to eat, you know, as soon as you walk in the door, your mom says, have you eaten? You know, <laughs> that type of thing. So have you guys eaten? And I said, I got green sun tea. I got green tea if you guys like it. It's his favorite, it's his absolute favorite. So immediately this young man feels at home. And I told him, you know what? The Lord told me to make green tea. He knew you were coming, I said. That's pretty cool. And I just dropped it at that. I didn't try to make it all hokey pokey. Didn't but make it was just Yeah, it was, you know, because I don't make green tea. But so we had a really nice visit. When he left, when they left, uh, you know, we walked out to the car with them. And he's just, he was in tears, this young man, and he just hugged me and he said, thank you so much for making me feel welcome in your home. And I really think he expected differently, you know, and it, you know what, it felt so good not just to not carry that burden of offense, but to see the love of Jesus have, take a seat in someone's heart right in front of you. And I was like, oh, Jesus, you're so cool. You know, just I'm walking in the door. I'm just in tears going, you are so awesome, Lord, because it could not be myself. It had to be him. As a matter of fact, you know, I pray for him just as much as I pray for my son. Uh, so it's, you know, you got to take a real love interest in someone and really... Uh, Get to know them and love them as a person. I think before your walk with Christ is going to speak into their life, otherwise, they've got a lot, especially I think in that community, they have a lot of stereotypes about us just like we do about them. And so, to beat that stereotype, I've got to, you know, put on the love of Jesus and walk in that, and yet keep what I believe in check which I know they know. So it's, it's a balance, but it's, you know, with, with the Lord um, directing, it's an easy balance. And that's a point that I really am glad you've brought up several times and I want to highlight it,
0: is that you really listen to the Lord's voice and allowing him to guide and direct you in terms of what love looks like in this situation with your son. And, you know, I look at the law of love, the law of Christ, is being very uh, transcultural. You know, Jesus doesn't lay down a lot of specifics uh, as in the Old Covenant of like, this is what love looks like. This is how you love your neighbor. This is how you love God. In the New Testament, it's like, how we love is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the love chapter. But how that's applied, the Holy Spirit has to guide us to some degree as to how to put arms and legs on that. And, um, I think that love has boundaries and love walks in truth, but also there's a lot of areas that the Bible doesn't directly speak to. And the Lord is giving us that, that space or that freedom to hear his voice and discern what he's saying so that we can sow into love in those individual
1: situations. Have you found that to be true? That's all my theory. But no, I'm like uh, living it no. out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting over here nodding my head because yeah, that's exactly it and and it wasn't um just to encourage anybody who's just starting with this. It wasn't a, a done deal right at first. It was a process. I mean, it, it was a real process. I had a lot of um kind of weird theological thoughts about the whole, you know, homosexual issue that the Lord had to work with me through. And so it it took time for him to to really show me um how we can read something or hear something. And that's kind of based on a heart that might've been hurt or, you know, anger, or it could be based on someone else's, um, hang up and that he, he wanted to show me what he felt. And I, and I thought, you know what, that's, that's the key right there. How do you feel God? And so that really helped me. Well, tell me
0: a little bit about how you and your husband pray for your son. Like, what does your prayer life look like? when you think about his son or even when you're praying for uh, his partner?
1: Um, usually when I'm praying for my kids, I will start out praying in tongues first for, I don't know, at least five minutes, maybe a little bit more. And then as I start sensing something, I'll just start speaking out. And I make a lot of declarations over them about their, their identity, you know, who they are in Christ, um, the conformity of Christ in their life, uh, the sonship they have, because my son was born again. And I believe that that stands. Um, he's not right now, but you know, I know a lot of other people who were born again too that aren't walking it right now. So I stand on what I feel like the Lord gives to me and just his truest identity, the, the, what God created him for, the calling he created him for, his giftings, because I believe my son was, is very gifted in the spirit. He was the most sensitive to Holy Spirit, even at a very young age, um, he would hear and so a lot of times I actually use that to my advantage. And, I, you know, if I haven't heard from him in a while, instead of being the whiny mom that goes, hey, look, I haven't heard from you, you know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I could send him a text, you know, but I'll just go, Holy Spirit, could you please just speak and ask him to, you know, text me or, you know, and then within a, oh, I'm going to say within a week, sometimes a little longer, he'll get in touch with me. Cause I know he hears and he doesn't know he's hearing. He just says, oh, I just felt like I needed to call you. I'm like, well, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's good. But so that's how we pray. We generally pray like that into, um, his identity, what he is doing. We, um, ask the Lord for, to send workers across his path that are going to, um, be Jesus to him, real Jesus. You know what I mean? The real McCoy, living it, walking it. Um, we ask for him to have ears to hear and eyes to see what Holy Spirit is showing them. I thank God that his spirit is wooing my son. His spirit is behind the scenes doing what I don't see and what I could never imagine because he knows every thought and heart intent that my son has. I thank him. I thank him that he's doing that. And I just ask him to continue and that my son would respond. And that's that's, that's about how we pray for him. It's really how we pray for all of our children. So I just want to take note of that because it's not just because he's in the lifestyle that we pray that way. We pray that way for all of them.
0: Now you mentioned earlier that you've had some rough moments with local churches and how they've responded to your situation with your son. Um, If you could talk to pastors or if you could talk to other Christians, what would you want them to know like how do you think the church could show up better for the for parents
1: in your situation i think for one thing not treating it like it's such a humongous thing okay and i don't say that to make it lightly but it isn't as as big or bigger i don't see the weight measurement of say my son um was caught watching porn there wouldn't have been any big deal it would have been like, okay, well, that's not good, but we're not asking you to never see him again. And you, know, never, never, you, you, you can never come to your house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't have been the same thing, although it's sin. Yeah. And it's very destructive. It is self destructive, you know? So I think maybe taking some of that humongous weight off of how really detrimental and horrible that is, and maybe bring it back into the light of, okay, this is a sin, but it's a sin like anything else that we're involved with sin in. And so. You know, let's not ostracize those parents. Let's not look at them like, well, you must have done something wrong. It must have been your parenting, because there's that look, and then there's the, you know, the whispers of did you hear? You know, did you hear stuff and all. And I think the the whispering and the did you hear and all that kind of stuff comes from hiding things a lot. There's that area is hidden. It's under you know, it's under wraps, so to speak, versus a lot of other sins that are brought out into the light, and they're spoken about, and you know, we need to, you know, get rid of this, that, or the other, or you know, if any of you are having trouble with alcohol, or smoking, or whatever, and so now all that's brought out into light, so it's not such a big deal, but that's still the hush-hush, and so then people can feel very alone. Plus, when you start speaking negative and hateful from the pulpit, It drives people away from God and right at the, this is the time when they need to be um, closest to him. So when my first, my son first told us, I immediately started fasting and I probably fasted for about three weeks, I believe was the time. And I did it because I knew that my flesh would tear me away from the Lord and hurt. And so I wanted to keep my flesh in check. And, and crucify it so that I would be hearing from the Lord only. Now, if you go to your church and you're looking for um, you know, some help, some, maybe some empathy, sympathy, whatever, and you're getting the, the finger point or the, oh, your family is now tainted type of thing, it's going to help the enemy drive a wedge between you and God. And that is not what they need. They need support. They need to know that you're hurting And not just because of what you have found out about a friend or a loved one, you're hurting because you've had dreams for them. And your whole world has changed now. Your whole family dynamic has changed now. It's huge. And so yeah, there needs to be some support groups. But I think that some of the support groups, like I said before, um, they can stay in one place for too long. And so there needs to be levels in that because there's a time when you, when you move past the initial hurt and you need to get more into the let's be constructive on how we can build each other up, how we can pray and how we can, you know, um, maybe add to what the Lord is doing in that person's life.
0: Very good. Well, thank you, Diana. I really appreciate you taking the time to share with us about your journey. And I think this is going to be a tremendous encouragement to a lot of people uh, who deal with family members you are gay. So thanks, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> thanks for asking.
0: Yeah.